Seasons greetings, welcome to the show. James Newcomb coming into your earballs. And I was just fooling around on the Christmas song arranged by Jim Olcott of Triplo Press. Check him out, triplo.com, T-R-I-P-L-O.com. Great collection of trumpet stuff, ensembles and whatnot. And I got to play with his great ensemble, the Twin Cities Trumpet Ensemble, when I lived in Minneapolis in 2016. Good guy, great group, and definitely check out triplo.com. I am thrilled to bring back onto the show an episode that was published in 2016, speaking of. And this was with uh, Fred Radke, at one time played lead trumpet in Harry James's big band. And he shared a lot of memories and reminiscences and just reveling in the memories of the great Harry James. So I'm glad to bring this back onto the podcast here in 2022. Uh, that's what I love about this show is there's so much great stuff that was published and I know I'm tooting my own horn here, but uh, I have to say that I'm, I'm actually really proud of the work that was done years and years ago. And uh, while I'm getting my ducks in a row, getting fresh content ready, I'm enjoying listening to these episodes again from uh, years past. So again, this is Fred Radke, uh, the former lead trumpet with Harry James, and he has a Harry James tribute band as well. So enjoy it. And again, please check me out on the web trumpetdynamics.com. Here we go. Well, what about Harry James do you find attractive as opposed to Stan Kenton? Well, I mean, there are two entirely different styles of bands. Stan was, you know, uh, a what, we, what you would call at that period of time in the late 40s, early 50s, a progressive jazz band, a big band. And uh, uh, they were more, uh, you know, jazz contemporary. Harry was more of a traditional swing band until uh, the early 50s when he hired all the bassies arrangers, Neil Hefty, Thad Jones, uh, Ernie Wilkins, and um, uh, and changed the whole format of the band to sound very much like Count Basie's band because he loved that band. But as, as Harry James himself, I mean, I saw him on TV when I was a little child, about seven years old, and I decided that's what I wanted to do was play the trumpet. And uh, then my goal as I got older, around 11 or 12, was I thought, boy, I really want to play with Harry James someday and be his first trumpet player and uh, get to meet him. And, of course, that all came true later on in my life. Uh, And uh, I played lead with Harry in 68, 69, and, and early part of 70. Then I went back to the band two or three times after that. And then after Harry's death, uh, they went through a couple of band leaders. And then uh, they approached me to take the band for the 50th anniversary tour for Columbia Artists with Joe Graydon, which I did. And I've had the band ever since 19, uh, 1989. So I've had a complete I've had a complete circle, in other words, you know, <laughs> Ian influenced me to be a trumpet player, then, you know, to get to play with him and to know him and be a friend of his, and then be able to carry on his legacy. It's a complete circle mm. of, of a career as far as I'm concerned. That's amazing. Who were some of the other trumpet players that you admired 
when you were a kid? Like you said that you really liked Harry James and you wanted to be like him or you wanted to be in his band, but who were some of the other trumpet players that were famous and admired in those days? Well, well, I mean, everybody, you know, every trumpet player is influenced by, by, uh, Louis Armstrong, by pops. And, uh, um, and then of course you move on up to, to guys like Roy Eldridge and of course, Dizzy and of course, Clifford Brown and miles, uh, you know, uh, uh, Kenny Durham, um, uh, you know, uh, God, you can go on and on, uh, with guys, um, you know, Fats Navarro. I mean, they were all cutting edge guys. And, and, uh, I mean, especially I loved Clifford Brown as Harry James loved Clifford Brown. Harry used to listen to Clifford Brown all the time, listen to his recordings. And of course he died at a very young age and, and left the whole world, unfortunately, because I think probably Clifford would have come out on top even more so than he is remembered today, I think that he would have probably been the greatest modern jazz trumpet player, him and Dizzy Gillespie together. And of course, today you've got such great players out there. You know, you've got Wynn and all these great guys. And also Maynard Ferguson was a great influence on guys. Uh, and Buddy Childers and Al Persinos and Conrad Gasso. There was an array of great first trumpet players, jazz trumpet players, uh, you know, guys that were top-notch players, you know, and of course we listened to all those guys as we were kids. I mean, Connie Condoli, Pete Condoli, I mean, I can go on and on and on with guys, you know, and uh, uh, so they all influence your playing, and I think of it like this, you take it and put it in a big pot, all these styles, and you stir it up, and you come out with your style. You're influenced by everybody. How did you how, how did how did you get into Harry James's band initially? Well, I I'm, uh, Gina Funus, my wife, is a great singer and great performer, and when I can afford her, she travels with the Harry James band. But she's done all of the top rooms and so on, and the TV shows and so on. But anyway, we just had come back from uh, the uh, Far East where we are performing for the troops in Vietnam and and, and Thailand and the Philippines, all that stuff. And I came back, and I it was funny because I went to a <clears throat> went to a um, a clinic that Corky Corcoran, the great tenor saxophone player from Tacoma, and was adopted by Harry James when he was fifteen, by the way, and spent thirty six years on the band as Harry's son. But every every time you hear a Harry James recording from nineteen forty two on, there's always a tenor saxophone solo somewhere in almost every recording, and that was Corky. Well, anyway, so I meet Corky, and our, our best man at our wedding was the world's greatest violin player, Joe Venuti, so he's there seeing Corky, and I'm standing there talking, and I and uh, and I meet Corky, and of course I know who he is, and, and I asked Joe, I said, so what are you doing? He says, well, I'm going to Vegas next week and opening with Harry James and Phil Harris at the, at the uh, Frontier Hotel, and I said, oh, God, you know, I always wanted to play lead with Harry, and that's been one of my goals. And, uh, uh, you know, I just uh, never got the call. I've met him many times. I was with a group at Harris Club called the Lancers, which was a headlining group, and Harry was a headlining group. And, you know, I got to meet him, but I never got a chance to play with the band or audition or anything. 
And of course, you don't audition for that band. You get hired for reputation. So Joe says, oh, really? Well, Venuti and Corky go to Harry and said, hey, we got you a new first trumpet player. And they said, well, we're looking for a guy. And a week later, I got the call. So I joined the band. So I was highly recommended by two major, major players. And uh, and Corky said, you're in very, I mean, uh, Harry he used to tell me, he says, you're in great company, man, to be uh, recommended by Joe Venuti and, and uh, Corky Corcoran. And then as soon as I got on the band, you know, and we were working all the time with Phil and, and Joe Venuti. And then I, then my pal became Sonny Payne and Jack Percival and Red Kelly and all of the real champions of that band. And, and they became my friends. And so you were kind of in that upper crust of the sideman thing. And I knew Harry somewhat socially also through some people, uh, that knew him, uh, Bill Muncie, the famous uh, hydroplane driver, world's famous hydroplane driver, was a uh, Harry was a big fan of his because Harry loved sports so much, and Bill would come and see me and and so on, and so I had a different side of knowing Harry James, just not as a player and being one of his musicians, but also socially. Well. My grandparents showed me a clip of a movie. I don't, I can't recall the name of the movie, but it, it was uh, swimming. There was a lot of swimming, and it also oh, featured that's called bathing beauties. Bathing, yeah, bathing beauties. beauties. Yeah, I just saw it on TV a couple nights ago. He yeah. did horror staccato, and he did trumpet blues. Yeah, and he did a couple other things. He acts a little bit with, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Harry, see, when Harry married Betty Grable. 19, around 1943 or something. Of course, everybody knows this. Her famous pinup picture was on in every GI's helmet, on every in every cockpit of every bomber or fighter, in every locker, every foot locker, and and of course, you know, she was she had her legs uh, insured for a million dollars from uh, Lloyd's of London and. Uh, you know, it was a big deal. And so Harry got involved with the movie business and acting and so on. And Betty Grable and Harry were two of the highest paid stars in Hollywood at one time. And, and Harry liked that. They were part of Hollywood royalty, part of the motion picture royalty, you know, on up with every major star, you know. And he liked that. He liked that kind of uh, notoriety. And uh, so uh, it was funny because, I mean, you know, all the guys and all the GIs and stuff, they even sang a song during World War II and said, I want a girl just like a girl who married Harry James. You know, they they were all jealous of him marrying their pinup girl. And so <clears throat> I'm telling you, even into the, the uh, you know, late 60s and, and early part of the, in the 70s, I swear to you, people came out not to hear the great Sonny Payne and this smoking band, but they wanted to see the guy who married Harry James. I mean, who married Betty Grable. And that was a big thing, you know. I mean, there always would be a comment. And even when I was on the band, he had just divorced her. So, you know, but they were still great friends. They were very close. They had two daughters together and uh, that are still living, of course, and uh, part of the estate. And, uh, 
That's how it was, you know. Harry was a great sports figure. He loved baseball. His whole life was baseball. He almost became a professional baseball player with the Detroit Tigers, and he took a choice either to play the trumpet more seriously or be a pitcher. And so he naturally took the latter. So um, uh, he was involved in sports. He was a he was an avid sportsman, great golfer, great baseball player, um, in great shape physically, until he started declining towards you know his later years of life. Yeah. Well, it's such a contrast between that day and nowadays because I think of the famous trumpet players now. I mean, they're famous within the trumpet community, but they're certain they don't, I don't, I can't think of anyone outside of maybe Wynton Marsalis, maybe a couple others that have anywhere near that level of notoriety. Yeah. Today. I, it was like, yeah, you were like us. You were in those days, the music, that was the music of the day. And, 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 uh, like when Frank Sinatra left Harry James, you know, in 1940 to go join Tommy Dorsey, that gets headlines in the newspaper. Do you see? I mean, it was, it was interest. It was a interest to everybody in, you know, in, in just daily public life. And it, and it was just like when you're in Vegas and so on. And, you know, you, walk across the street to the DI and in walks Frank Sinatra with his entourage and, and you're sitting at the bar and they walk in and you see Marilyn Monroe walk into the, into different places and so on. Um, you know, it was just like every day. So you saw everybody, it was no big deal, but then, you know, then you fall asleep and wake up one morning and it's all gone. You know, it's different today. That's all. Well, okay. So you played it in Harry James's band in the late 60s, early 70s. Yeah. So Yeah, right. Yeah, is that around I mean, describe the music of Harry James's band at that time. So he was he was well, a old-time swinger, but he sort of adapted a little bit. Describe that uh, describe his level of, uh, his uh, style of music during Well, the time. style of music was was, you know, big band jazz, swinging mm -hmm. um Swinging like Basie's band, and like I said, that he was a big Basie fan, and and he he admired Count Basie. In fact, one night the band's playing at Tahoe, and and they're at Harris, and across the street, uh, Basie's opening at Harvey's Wagon Wheel when that was around, and so Basie comes walking up to the band. This is before I was on the band, but Corky told me this. He says Basie came up. He, and Harry acknowledged him, of course. And Basie said to, ba uh, to Harry, can I go across the street now and play my arrangements? <laughs> and so, so Harry left. And Harry went across the street and sat in and played Lee Trumpet with Basie for a set. So that was quite interesting, you know. But today, today the band is just like it was when he left it. It's uh, it's uh, you know we're we're doing all the Wilkins stuff and all of the Thad Jones charts and of course you still do some of the famous hits that he made so famous that made him a lot of money you know and uh, they made a lot of money in their life. Tell me about your current involved. Your do you lead uh, Harry James Legacy Orchestra now? Or? Oh, it's not the Legacy Orchestra. It is the, the Harry James Orchestra. The it's Harry only one. 
Mm-hmm. It's only one Harry James Orchestra. The and that, Harry James that Orchestra. That word, the, right. is worth money. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there's only one. There's no such thing as a legacy orchestra. Yeah. Not, I don't like the word ghost orchestra. And <laughs> and I have interviews all the time. And see, since I was there, I know exactly how he would want it to go. And I know the caliber that he would want. And that's what we have. And that's what we achieve. It's just like Mike, you know, Mike Vax sat there for years with Stan Kenton and, and he knows how Stan's band would want to be run. And because he was there, there's very few leaders that were actually there. In fact, I think we're probably the only two that actually worked with the people's bands who we lead today. And so, you know, it's taken very serious. Michael takes that very serious, just like I take Harry James band very serious. So I would say the band, uh, are we doing new charts? Yeah, we do some new, new tunes that are written, but once, you know, you go out and you do a two hour concert with a 15 minute intermission People want to hear all the blockbusters, you know, they want to hear trumpet blues. They want to hear, you know, all of Harry's great hits, uh, you know, that's what they're there for. But then you can always slip in some newer, hipper things that, that, you know, and, and, and it's a very demanding band. I'm telling you, you've got to really be a player to be on this band. I mean, there's no, there isn't one slouch chair at all. Everybody is a, is a great soloist and, and very, high energy player well it's interesting because um it's i i I like that you'd well i I like the way you say it it's not like a tribute to harry james like this is the brand that existed in the 50s and 60s and 70s it's just here in 2016 it's the same it's the same band just different people that's right i mean you're going to get different guys you know we change guys but i've had my drummer like for 18 years or something Randy Carter I mean Randy is just I mean he plays like Sonny Payne and Buddy Rich combined man I mean the drummer in that band's got to hit really hard in other words I say take no prisoners and don't be polite you know and they know that and it's the same way with the lead tenor player the lead alto player trombone player my lead trumpet player Johnny Kappa Bianco from San Francisco just nails it I mean he's he I mean there's just it's on and it's and it's it's a trumpet player's band. There's the you know there's a lot of trumpet ensemble stuff, and I play it all, man. I'm, in fact, I'm playing more than Harry did when I was on the band. You know, I, I'm I have a demanding position there. And people, I mean, you have to stay in shape being a trumpet player. And unfortunately, I mean, I've talked to a bunch of guys. A lot of guys have stopped playing because the business is so weird right now, and nobody's working and like they used to. A lot of guys say, yeah, I'm just tired of staying in shape. But I practice every day, and I think when you're carrying on that legacy of Harry, that you have to really live up to those standards because you have 20 trumpet players that come from 100 miles of radius to come and see this band and see the guy who who's playing Harry's role, and you've got to live up to that. And, and uh, you know, I mean – you can be influenced by Harry, but nobody will ever play like Harry James because any trumpet player I tell you right from Connie Condoli, the late Connie Condoli and all the guys and Conrad guys, they said there was nobody like Harry James, man. He could play anything. And later on in his career, he got 
you know, more influenced by Clifford. He, like I said, he listened to his recordings all the time, and he got more, more modern, more, uh, you know, um, than he was. And he was, and and you know, here's an interesting thing. People say, well, Harry James, you know, he sold out as a jazz musician because. You know, he played You Made Me Love You, and it's been a long, long time. Well, he only made, like, about uh, 1941, made $3 million from playing those songs. And does that mean he's no longer a jazz player? Because when he was with Benny Goodman, they used to say, George Simons, who had Metronome Magazine, in all of reviews, said when, when Harry James stood up and played a solo, it was like an explosion in the band. It was so hot. Well... Harry was always one of the great jazz players that never left him just because he started playing ballads. And the reason he played ballads, that's how he felt inside. That's what he wanted to do. But when it came time to play a hot jazz solo, Nat Pierce, a great jazz piano player says there was no jazz trumpet player like, like Harry James. He'd scare the hell out of you when he played. And I saw him do that night after night. He'd come on a stage and all of a sudden, man, he'd crank it on and stand back and just watch it all happen because it really scared you to death, man. And I'm telling you, Doc Severinsen even said the same thing. Doc says, man, when Harry was on, look out. There's nobody that could even touch him speed-wise, technically, idea-wise. Today, you know, so many young jazz players, because I'm involved with the jazz department at the University of Washington as an artist in residence, and and I've been in higher education for almost 50 years. And I'm going to tell you something. All the young jazz players, there's great players out there today, but they all are not intuitive jazz players. They, they learn all these patterns, and they put all these patterns together. And so it almost becomes like an exercise when they're playing. They're not really playing from their soul and from their heart, like these guys did. And that's the difference in jazz playing today with, with many young players. That's my observation anyway. Well, tell me about the, the Harry James orchestra. How many days out of the year do you tour? Tell me about uh, your current schedule. Well, you know, we have one nighters that, you know, the going on a band tour and bus tour is, that doesn't happen very often. We do cruises. We just did two cruises. Uh, did one this year to Europe for 14 days. We work pretty much for Holland American Lines. Um, that's a great company. And they do a big band cruise. We did one at the end of last year, also to Hawaii from Seattle. Um, and we do one-nighters, you know. Uh, we're, you know, just uh, hit and runs. And, you know, that's a little tough sometimes, but uh, that's what it is. Or you do two or three nights and, and uh, you know, like next month I'm in L.A. for two nights and near L.A. And then we, we're we off for a while and then we go to Connecticut for one night and then back. And then I go to South Carolina for two nights, and, you know, that kind of thing. You know? Are you all based in the Seattle area or? guys come from all over my drummer comes from from uh, cornville arizona which is up by sedona where michael lives. mike mike yeah, yeah. was up there sure and uh, and you know my lead trumpet player san francisco my lead tenor player uh, uh tim whalen comes from louisville uh you know guys come from all over hmm. do you do you all have a website that we could learn more about the orchestra oh yeah sure it's harryjamesband.com HarryJamesBand.com. 
Yeah, it's nice. got a whole thing. Yeah, it's got everything in there. And talks about the CDs and the recordings and so on. Well, Harry James predates me. I, I came of age as a trumpet player after his heyday, but um, everything I hear about him is uh, everyone says that he's he's the best or one of the best. And um, any any chance that I get to hear more about him and other players, I, I relish and I really appreciate your time and sharing your experiences about Harry yeah, James. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I really appreciate it. You know, there's a book out on Harry that's not the greatest book by Peter Levinson, but the it, the beginning is good. Okay. It's called Trumpet Blues, The Life of Harry James. Very nice. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, and, and so we're talking about doing a documentary on Harry, and then I'm involved with uh, doing, there's a new uh, TV series that's going to come out called Storyville, about uh, early New Orleans, I'm going to be doing the music for that, and... Uh, so on and the band's going to be involved with that and, and so there's some interesting things coming up and, and uh, keeps we're lucky to have this keep moving ahead Harry's birthday was just 100 years old you know so it's uh, amazing well Fred thank you so much for your time give me give me what I cry for you know you've got the brand of kisses 